Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first episode of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm your host, Mitch Fosbrook, joined here with me by Mr. Christian Boomer. Christian, how are we doing today? What's happening? Doing all right. How about yourself? Hey, I can't complain one bit here. Um, our third co-host, uh, Miss Grace Butler, is unable to join us today. She is uh, currently busy preparing for the 2021 uh, Central Michigan volleyball season. Uh, we wish her the best of luck. Um, Big excited to see what that group's going to do this year, uh, just to say the least. Uh, but yeah, um, last sports to talk about, huh, Christian? Absolutely. A lot of things going on right now. Let's dive right into it right now. Um, the NFL, crazy divisional weekend just went down. We're down to four teams now. We got um, Tampa Bay going up to Lambeau to play Green Bay and the NFC title game. And in the AFC title game, we got the Buffalo Bills of all teams going over to Arrowhead to play the Kansas City Chiefs. First of all, Christian, do you feel right now that like the best two teams in each conference are playing with the right to be in the Super Bowl right now? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that you know the I love. First of all, I loved adding a seventh team to the playoffs. I think that it kind of makes things a little bit more interesting. And plus, the second team now has to play an extra game, which makes that first seed all the more valuable and. I do. I think that Tampa Bay certainly is hitting its stride, uh, especially defensively. I think that they kind of mix it up, and a lot of you know Drew Brees' struggles obviously comes with the, you know the injuries he's dealt with over the years, and I think everything kind of comes to a head. And it was sad to see him go out like that, but at the same time, a lot of credit needs to be given to Tampa Bay's defense. Um, I think they're going to make things interesting for Aaron Rodgers on Sunday, and then on the other side, I am stoked about the uh, Kansas City Buffalo matchup. I think that's going to be an incredible game. And hopefully Patrick Mahomes can play because that would just add to the element. If he doesn't play, Kansas City's in trouble. That could be. Um, I did hear a take. Of, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, by the way. Uh, I heard a take of Colin Coward said that game shouldn't be played until Mahomes is ready, which I thought was the most ridiculous click. That's horrible. That is a horrible take. Welcome. Welcome welcome to Sports Media 2021. This is why I probably had a little better right now. That's terrible. So let's get going here, these games. Um, Tampa and Green Bay, supposed to be a uh, typical frigid Midwest uh, Sunday afternoon, cold temperatures. Uh, let's talk about this game quickly. Who do you like? Uh, you know, anytime Green Bay's at home, I think uh, you got to give the edge to the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers is playing unbelievable right now. And it's hard to believe he's only been to one Super Bowl. I mean, it, he should have two, three, four, maybe even at this point in his career. And I think that uh, time's going to start catching up with him in terms of, you know, he's going to start getting what he's deserving. And for, in that case, I think they, I don't think they went handily. I think it's going to be an incredible game. But I think at the end of the day, um, Green Bay wins it. And I think that, you know, I, hopefully there's elements. I love Green Bay. I love Lambeau in the snow. Um, it, it should be a really good game. And, I think that at the end of the day, Green Bay just has too many weapons and Aaron Rodgers is playing at too high of a level right now to see his season end one game short of the Super Bowl again. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Aaron Rodgers and those close Super Bowls. This is actually the first time he's playing for an NFC title in Lambeau. It's kind of hard to believe. That yeah, I heard that. You know, fun fact there for you. Uh, you know, for me, um, this is honestly a coin flip. Um, obviously, Green Bay is on a terror this year. I think what Rodgers is doing is insane. He's worthy of the MVP, which we'll talk about down the road here a little bit. Um, the problem is, though, and I've learned this, 
as a Steelers fan, uh, watching the AFC shake out for my entire uh, fanhood of football, you can't bet against Brady in January and February. Right. It's just – if there's any team right now I feel growing that can knock off Tampa, it's Green Bay because I think defensively now they're young players they've had a couple of years have mature enough and are physical enough that they can handle, I think, Tampa Bay. The problem is, though, Brady's played in elements like that before. Mm-hmm. It's not foreign to him. Honestly, I hate to say this. I really do. But I think Tampa's going to pull this out. As weird as it sounds, I love the Green Bay squad. I love it. Honestly, it's a pick. It's a coin, fl- uh, coin toss. Not coin floss. What the heck? Coin toss for me. Uh, but at the end of the day, I can't bet against Brady. I've seen this too many times to too many good teams that come to the conference. Um, and I think that Tampa defense right now, it's humming. It has some absolute studs on it. Their middle linebacking mm-hmm. core with Levante, David, and Devin White. Probably the best in the NFL. Right. That's fresh. Maybe we'll see how it goes. But that secondary is young. But it's starting to click. It's starting to play in a high level. Some young guys, including CMU's own Sean Murphy Bunting with Big pick last mm-hmm. week. I'm excited. I think Tampa's going to edge tight. It's a one possession game within a touchdown. Easy. Right. But, you know, it's a, it's a close toss up for me. And in that scenario, I can't bet against Brady. No, I agree with you 110% in terms of not betting against Brady. I am. I'm not changing my stance, but I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, he's going to, he's going to bring his a game as he always does in situations like that. And, and I think an underrated aspect of it is is the coaching matchup. Obviously, Bruce Arians, who's been around the game for like ever, um, but at the same time, how many times has he been in this situation? I mean, you, you look at where was he before? He was with Arizona, um, been a couple other places, but to to see him get here again is is pretty good. And then obviously on the other end, you've got a younger guy in Matt Lafleur. So again. Really interesting matchup, two of the best quarterbacks. And it's awesome to see these two guys square off with something like a Super Bowl berth on the line. Obviously, I always wanted to see them in the Super Bowl. And, you know, when I did my yearly predictions when I was a high school boy, I think all four years was Brady Rodgers in the Super Bowl and it never happened. So to see them square up on the, at this level, on this magnitude, is going to be awesome. Now let's get to the AFC. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. No shocker, they're back here again for the third yeah. straight year against the. Let's check notes. Are we twenty? Okay, it's twenty twenty one, not nineteen ninety one. The Buffalo Bills. Man, what a great story for Buffalo! Finally, mm-hmm. getting finally one of their sports teams is clicking. Um, obviously, like we mentioned, Patrick Mahomes is in concussion protocol. We don't know how it's going to go. Um, let's assume for now that Mahomes – we're talking this on Tuesday. A lot of things could happen by the time these one, our wonderful audience is listening. Y'all great, by the right. way. Um, let's assume right now that Mahomes does not clear protocol. Does not clear protocol. Yes. Oh, boy. How's this go? I mean, at this point, I don't know what the quarterback free agent market looks like. At the same time, I mean, maybe Chad Henney somebody they feel confident in but he didn't really have to throw the ball downfield against Cleveland. And when he did, my goodness, that's 13 years of rust coming out in one throw. And he just put everything he's bottled up the last couple of years into that throw. Now he did start against the chargers in week 17. That's correct. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So he's not as as bottled up as people say, but at the same time, they lost that game. So I just – I don't know, man. Buffalo's going to throw a whole bunch of different looks at him. Obviously, he's been around the game a while. He's it, It's not going to be nothing he hasn't seen before, but I just don't think he's got it. If Mahomes doesn't clear protocol, you got to hammer the Bills, don't you? I would think so. Yeah, I mean – Give me the Bills in that case. If Mahomes comes back, totally different situation. Because he can counter. He's got really good mobility. Uh, They're going to have a difficult time bottling him up. And if he comes back, give me the Chiefs at home uh, in a three-point game that comes down to the last snap field goal. Um, It just, I mean, this story, unfortunately, and I hope I'm – you know, being wrong here, but this story kind of writes itself for Buffalo. Am I right? I mean, back in the nineties when they were going to all them Super Bowls, and now they're back within a game and, you know, they've got arguably their best team since then. I shouldn't even say arguably, it probably is their best team since that run. And uh, to see it come one game short would be a little poetic. Uh, and unfortunately that's what I see happening. If Kansas city gets their quarterback back. Yeah. For me, obviously if Mahomes can't go, I think, Buffalo wins by like eight. I think Kansas City at home. I mm-hmm. think there's still some aspects of the offense that, you know, if somehow they can establish a run game, they'll be in it. Uh, take pressure off Penny. But right. Buffalo's physicality is a, a lot to handle. I think we saw it with Baltimore, who we all thought was extremely physical and just, you know, going mm-hmm. to muster three points, even though Justin Tucker hit two posts, which was like unheard of. Right. But somehow the glass breaks before kickoff, and I hear Jim Ross saying, my homes, my homes, my homes. Casey wins by six. Okay, yeah. Me personally. Yeah, and by the way, while we're on that topic, Tony Romo, how do we feel about Tony Romo and his performance on Sunday? I did get a chance to watch a lot of the game. Although, honestly, in my opinion, I think Romo and Nance are the best duo for football in the league. Oh, I agree. I agree. It's just that Romo, man, he's an acquired taste. He is. He gets very excited. He does, but I mean, for me personally, I think with industry we're into, like, I will never knock someone for talking about something they're passionate about. And right. I enjoy it around football. So for me, yeah, I, I agree that it's an acquired taste. So, which means we need to shift topics now. Uh, before the Super Bowl, we're going to get some awards handed out. Um, first things first, I think we'll be on the same page. Let's talk MVP. Who do you Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, A-Rod. Okay, so we can agree Rodgers wins MVP. Can we just go ahead and move on to the next topics? Absolutely. I mean, I think the case is there. If not, I mean, please chime off on Twitter at Real Mitch Weaver. Please come at me if you right. agree Rodgers is MVP. I wasn't in any case, obviously. It's all a matter of opinion, but I think Rodgers has wrapped up. Um, defensive player of the year. Who do you got? Ooh, 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 ooh. I love Aaron Donald. I do. And I honestly, man – you know, he got a little banged up in the playoffs, but why not? Why not Aaron Donald? Tell me why not Aaron Donald. T.J. Watt had more sacks and tackles for T.J. Watt. Okay, yeah, that's valid. Now, I was, I'll make a case, too. There's 10 interceptions and pretty much locked down all season for Miami. You have to consider Xavier Howard. Xavier, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well. So we can agree to spoil down to one of those three for defensive players. Yes. Yes, and I would hear your case on T.J. Watt. I, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, offensive player of the year. Um, if not Rodgers, who do you make the case for? 
Patrick Mahomes. Derrick Henry is a dark horse. I love Derrick Henry. Uh, Mahomes, obviously. Um, I'm trying to think outside the box here. I'll throw a name ever- that you thinking. And I'll, I don't think people are talking about him enough. But they're talking about him not right now because he's on. Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Without a yeah. doubt this season. He is – I mean, Buckles' offense is kind of pieced away. They had some good pieces there. But adding Diggs that first round here was Huge. just a game-changer for him. Game-changer. That's the reason why they're 13 and three or this year and playing for your AFC title instead of last year, sneaking the playoffs and losing no pretending to Houston. Yeah, you know, Stefan Diggs has been awesome. The the chemistry that he's been able to build with Josh Allen has been awesome and it's been fun to watch too. So all right, so let's stick here. We're seeing the offense. Talk some rookies. Offensive rookie of the year. What do you Justin got? Herbert. Justin Herbert, close though. In between him and Justin Jefferson, I think both of them were really good this year. But I think at the end of the day, man, Herbert was awesome. He was electric. I mean, it only took his, you know, it only took the starter getting basically stabbed by the team physician. I mean, I, looking back on that, I wonder if he had, <laughs> he had an ulterior motive. Uh, but uh, I'm just joking, of course. But uh, yeah, no, Herbert's been awesome. And I think he deserves to get the rookie of the year. I will throw one name at you. Uh, and of all drafted players, he was the only one to hit a thousand yards from any any of those Colts. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. He is. He was obviously when Indy was winning and humming and getting getting that playoff spot. He was productive. Obviously, Marlon Mack going down early with the torn ACL kind of paved the way for him. Although I think I think the Colts just wanted to wait one year and then let Mack walk and then have Taylor take over. But he stepped in big time when Rivers was kind of you know was putting on eighteen essentially. He was able to step up this season and right. be a big part of that team. Uh, only only drafted player over a thousand yards, eleven touchdowns. Um, obviously, Herbert and Jefferson, you can make a case for. It, but for me, um, I also love the fact that of the three guys we're talking about, and this is obviously the argument some people hate. I'm kind of with it, but the three rookies, he's the only one that got in the playoffs, and he was he was obviously a big part of that. Right, absolutely. What argument you can make, but. Yeah, that was our uh, NFL talk here. So let's just shift. Um, let's shift to some baseball, shall we? One big trade happened uh, before we recorded this. Let's talk about the New York Mets trade. The New York Mets acquired uh, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco in exchange for four prospects: uh, Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, who's uh, starting a shortstop in the Mets the past couple of years. Uh, Right-handed pitcher Josh Wolf and outfielder Isaiah Green. As of right now, the Mets lab looks like Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, Michael Conforto, Dom Smith, if there's a DH, Pete Alonzo, Brandon Nimmo, J.D. Davis, James McCann, and Luis Guillermo. We throw Carrasco with the Grom, yeah. Stroman, Steven Matz, and probably by July or August, hopefully the point of the season, you get Noah Senegar back. Yeah, the Mets just become the team to beat in the National League. The team to beat in the National League, I don't know. I mean, well, you got to go run down the line. L.A. Dodgers, Atlanta's on the come up. Um, Padres look scary. San Diego's putting together a, they're assembling a Death Star out there too. So, but what this does do is it adds their hat to the race. You know, you, you take the Mets who were perennial underachievers, in my opinion, because with that rotation, I mean, man, the things they should have done 
you know, especially they did make the World Series the one year. But now they've they're definitely looking legit. You know, you got you pair Pete Alonso with Francisco Lindor. I mean, come on. That's a heck of a lineup. And I think that seeing them progress over the, the a course of a season as they start to get guys back like a Syndergaard and if Strowman's able to put together what he did in Toronto, oh man, they could be really, really good. Okay, in that case, let me, in case I forget about the I forget about the NLS two teams being absolutely insane. Um, let me rephrase this question: Does this kind of give them a leg up now? And the NLE has become ultra competitive now. When you talk about Philadelphia, when you talk about Washington, mm-hmm. we talk about Atlanta, and a team of, the young team was stuck in the playoffs last year, Miami. Like that division, yeah. the past couple of years has been the four horse race. Now five. Now New York's got a chance, new ownership to kind of maybe pull away. Are the Mets like all the favorites now in the NL East? Yeah, I could I could buy that. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that I don't I don't think Atlanta's got the pitching to keep up with with all the guys that New York has in their rotation. So, oh man, I do. I think New York is now that the they should be considered the favorite in the NL East and a serious contender to make a run for the pennant. I would agree. Uh, that NL East has been fun to watch the past couple of years. This year gets even more interesting because of this move. And uh, speaking of the Mets, news broke last night as recorded on a Tuesday. Today, the Mets announced the uh, firing of GM Jared Porter, uh, General Manager Jared Porter, who uh, had sent upwards of 60 unsolicited text messages to a international reporter, came to America to cover baseball. Um, Unfortunately, the uh, last couple of photos included a bull in his groin and a wonderful little picture of his erect, you know what. Um, obviously, the man was let uh, relieved of duties or fired today. Um, as people who are pursuing a future within the journalism industry, when something like this happens, um, obviously, something as disgusting and yeah. god awful as this is. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just probably the question you got to ask is like, you know, as a journalist, like, how does this make you feel? It's disgusting. It's sick. It's, it's terrifying that there are people out there like that who can't take no for an answer and continue to do what he did. Um, it makes me sick because I have friends in this industry. We share a newsroom with women and to think that that's what they, when they sign up to take a job in this industry, that's in a, in a horrible way that could end up being part of the job and it's, it's sick and people need to be better. So um, let this be a lesson for what not to do. And it, it, it should be, this is something you should learn very early in your life to not do things like that. And somebody didn't get the memo and um, just not a good look for, you know, front offices. And I think a lot of people are looking themselves in the mirror this morning and maybe rethinking some of the decisions that they've made. Yeah. Um, obviously there's no excuse to this kind of uh, nature for those who want to defend this guy. I urge you to strongly shut the hell up. Obviously um, this should never happen. But it's a nature of the beast that some people in higher power positions like this decide to do this. And it is disgusting. It is 
unnatural. It should not be happening. But female counterparts, so far as in this profession, uh, like you mentioned, people in the newsroom, I have people have uh, good friends that are in this industry that uh, are reaching higher powers. And, you know, this is something that, you know, I don't wish upon them at all. No. And unfortunately, I feel something like this may happen, but I'm hoping that, you know, just people across the world will see this as a message and just say, just grow the F up. Like, yeah. this was just disgusting. It was wrong. Uh, the person who reported this remained anonymous. Um, held on to this for three years out of threat because yep. like, of her, you know, of her home country. Um, cases like this, you know, the woman is, you know, like shunned, basically, when it comes to sexual assault or allegations like in this nature. So good for her for finally finding the strength to step forward. I hope other other women who have had similar instances do come forward about this, so these kind of people can finally get what's coming to them. And you know, for any any uh, female in the journalism industry, any industry that has dealt with this, um, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Some men just have these weird urges. Sick people. You know, just sickening. Absolutely. So, yeah. So let's get on something a little more upbeat. Uh, probably a little less uh, a serious topic here. We have a new segment here, Christian. I'm gonna pick your brain some trivia. All right. Are you I'm ready winning. for this? Yes. So, a new segment that I'm gonna call "Can Christian Hang?" Can he hang? So I got some Can trivia I questions hang? for you. We discussed the topic last night. Yes. We are going to talk about the 2008-0-16 Detroit Lions. All right. We, I have three questions. We're going to judge you throughout you know, the entire semester, how you do. There will be a bonus question also in each segment of Can Christian Hank. Okay, Christian. now I just have one question before we get started. Absolutely. Can I gain an extra credit hour toward my degree for participating in this if it's going to be a semester-long course? You have to talk with the fine people at the Jersey department <laughs> at St. Michigan University, but I have a hunch they're not going to allow that. I doubt it. Okay, so are you ready for maybe a if question? I was paying a, right. Maybe if I was paying a grand or two. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind the extra money, but. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for question number one? Yes. Question number one is as follows. The lone bright spot of the 2008 season was Calvin Johnson, of course. Mm-hmm. The man known as Megatron had 78 catches for 1,331 yards and 12 touchdowns. My question for you is, who finished second in receiving yards that season? Okay. Um, didn't Okay, this isn't my answer, but didn't they trade Roy Williams during Correct. that season? Correct. Okay. They really trade that line. So then it is probably not Roy Williams. Okay. Um, oh gosh, this was before Chris Durham's time. I thought you studied last night, Christian. What? I thought you studied last night. Yeah, I didn't. I wanted to make it fun. Who was the tight end? It's before Pettigrew. Shoot. Um, I'm not gonna not give an it or not make a guess because that's no fun. Um. I'm trying to think because I remember some of those games very vividly. Was who was the tight end? Was Tony Scheffler around then or no? He was not on the stat sheet when I saw. Okay, so no. It wasn't Nate Burleson. 
He was not there yet. Uh, and for those listening, if you Google searched it and you're screaming at the kid, he has no clue right now. He looks just no. He's clueless. clueless. Um. So think of stab out of here. We're killing time here. I'll you know I'll I'll throw out Chris Durham. I'll throw out Chris Durham. The answer, that answer is incorrect. The answer yeah, was Sean McDonald. I wouldn't have got that. McDonald finished with 35 catches for 332 yards and a touchdown. Sean McDonald. Kind of sad that's a second receiver at 332 yards. Yeah, no kidding. But when you're playing with like six different quarterbacks. All right, so question number two. Obviously, that roster, complete makeover. Yeah. Correct? One member of the 08 team is still on the Lions roster. Still, is it Don, Don Mulebag? Correct. You got one yeah. right today. Okay. Oh, now, third question. You mentioned all the quarterbacks. The Lions had five different quarterbacks appear in games. Yes. Any five quarterbacks. All five? All five. Okay. Um, John Kitna. Correct. Dan Orlovsky. That's two. Dante Culpepper. Dante freaking Culpepper. Correct. Yep. Uh, Drew Henson. Correct. And Drew Stanton. Correct. Don't <laughs> test me, boy. All right. So now the bonus question. Obviously, in 2009, the Lions got the first overall pick, correct? Yes. And with that pick, they took Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. Two other quarterbacks went in the first round of that draft class. Who are they? 2009. 2009 draft class. Who are the two quarterbacks? Mark Sanchez. Correct. And the second one. Hmm. I have a guess. I don't want to. Ooh. 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 Um, Josh Freeman. I didn't think you'd get that one. Correct. Yeah. The big yeah. He has a state who did not work out in the NFL, unfortunately. No. I wasn't thinking you'd get Freeman. Oh, boy, I'm kind of proud of you now. Yeah. Two out of three. Alrighty. Oh, what? No. Three out of four. Three out of four. The first one stumped <laughs> you. That, that stumped a lot of people, honestly. It's yeah. Just- Sean McDonald. If so. Obviously, when we get Grayson, I'll throw this at her too. But right now, we'll call it Ken Christian Hang. Two out through the main round, got the bonus points. So right now, you're at 66%, but you got the most yeah. with you. So, yeah, That's so if you, if you have any suggestions also for these segments of Ken Christian Hang, uh, again, hit me up on Twitter at Real Mitch Vebrick. Hit the DMs because nobody does. Um, <laughs> go ahead and head up. Uh, we'll, and, uh, yeah, we'll get this whole thing going. Yeah, All man, right. that was fun. Alrighty, so as we're recording this, we have breaking news on a Tuesday at 4.05 p.m. Detroit Lions, obviously we knew Brad Holmes is GM, Dan, um, Dan Campbell, head coach. We just got word of a new defensive coordinator. It was Saints secondary coach Aaron Glenn. Christian, when we talked about this right before we were talking, right before we started recording this segment, um, you seem pretty uh, pretty excited that Krim the Frog all yay with the flailing arms and everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm stoked. I love this hire. It was pretty interesting to to kind of read into some of the potential candidates. And it sounds like Aaron Glenn is kind of in the same position as what Dan Campbell was. He where he was, you know, a step away from being a coordinator, just like Dan Campbell was an assistant head coach. Is like he these two guys are both being bred for these specific roles. And so to see him get a chance, I mean, it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be exciting because Aaron Glenn is a hot name. Right now, I saw he had come up in a bunch of other searches. I think he might have even gotten a head coaching job. Yes, yes, yes. I'm or not a job, obviously, but an interview I'm reading right now from the Athletic. 
Um, he interviewed for the Jets head coaching job. So to see him get a shot as our DC is going to be exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, I love the Dan Campbell hire too. So so before we get too far into it, this is the background of Aaron Glenn for those who are unaware. Uh, first round pick in 1994 by the New York Jets, 12th overall, by the way. Uh, he played for the Jets from 94 to 01, then from 02 to 2004, he was with the Texans and that whole uh, new spiel that's uh, still not really working yet. Um, it's been 05 to 06 with the Cowboys, the Jaguars in 07, and finished with the Saints in 08. Uh, he served as the general manager of the Houston Stallions in the Lone Star Football League in 2012, was a personnel scout for the Jets in 12 and 13, uh, was a assistant defensive backs coach for the Browns in 2014 and 15. Uh, defensive backs coach uh, from 16 to today, honestly, with the New Orleans Saints. Now he's the coordinator of the Lions. Um, so a guy who's had a long, lengthy NFL career. Mm-hmm. Probably knows a bit or two, obviously. Um, Saints were tasked with the past couple of years to have some very young defensive backs. And honestly, except for one play, maybe even Marcus Williams in Minnesota in 17, that secondary <laughs> held its yeah. own for a very long right. time. Right. Right. So obviously a good hire there. Um just before we get too far, let's talk about Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. Obviously, with Holmes, as a Lions fan for you, me, I'm a Steelers fan, so I look at this from the outside perspective. What do you think of Brad Holmes? I like it. I like the hire. I think it's somebody that was a little bit off of most people's radars. Um, you know, I love the fact that they did a thorough search as opposed to last time we were in this situation, what, three years ago? Three kids um, were interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they knew who they wanted because they knew what they wanted to be. They knew they wanted to be the Patriots. And so they went out and got two guys from the Patriots. Me, on the other hand, I think they should have, you know, I think they should have did what they did now last time. And that's big old pool of candidates. You talk to everybody. Um, I think, you know, the whole head coaching thing was kind of a shock to me too. I think that they kind of wanted to go get a big name. For the general manager, I they kicked the tires on John Schneider and uh, Kevin Colbert from the Steelers. Both of those guys didn't want any part of that. Um, but they went and got the guy who they think is going to be the best fit. And one of the one of the struggles, one of the biggest struggles that Bob Quinn had was drafting. And so they went out and got a guy who's historically been a pretty good drafter. You know, you look at that Rams defense; those are all guys that he went out and looked at and said, "Hey, these are good fits." I was going to say, yeah, I think what the Lions want to do when you want to hit a total reset switch. You have to start from the ground up, and that mm-hmm. starts with drafting. These really good t- the teams that have always been playoff contenders have been solid teams. I was look at Green Bay, look at Pittsburgh, look at the Rams the past five years. You look at these really good teams. The wing of two on defense, I won't say much for skill players, but offensive line and anything on defense, you know, they draft well. That's the start of a whole organization. If you want to have a reset switch, find the best guy you can to uh, manage your drafts, and that's Brad Holmes. And I think Absolutely. he's a slam dunk fit for what they want to do. Obviously, guys like John uh, John Schneider and Kevin Colbert, obviously options, but why the hell would they want to leave their current situation to come right. to Detroit? Oh, yeah, I agree. Just because you can't talk to them doesn't mean they want to be here, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. It's been 60-something-odd years of just, no, not there. Um, but for me, also with Dan Campbell, I love the hire. Me too. If you look at the past five coaches they've had, Mariucci – Marinelli, Schwartz, Caldwell, Patricia, access and those guys. Yep. Guys that know schemes well, been look what's gotten you. Two playoff appearances, three playoff appearances in, since 2000. 
Right. You gotta go a different direction at this point. No, I, I think I think Dan Campbell. Look, I get why people are wearing Dan Campbell. He's not a corner. He's not an X's and O's guy. He's not a scheme guy. Man, just listen to the guy talk in some of the clips I've seen him in the Dolphins and stuff. It's like that's the kind of guy you need if you if you want to really reset with a young roster. Someone mm-hmm. that will pull the best out of players. Like we saw with Patricia, that wasn't happening. I thought right, honestly, they hated him. I think Bob Quinn drafting was like it was hit or miss, but a lot of the times he hit. I mean, there were some real good players. Look at guys like Frank Rag. Uh, he hit, look at guys like Ragnar, like a Warrior. Some of these younger layer guys he found, yeah. like. You know, Joe Jackson's a great example, too. Um, DeAndre Swift, if when he gets more touches this season, I feel we'll see more of that. But I think Quinn was starting to get going drafting a little bit. Obviously, he had a mess. I think Holmes will do better. But I think the way the Reliance roster set, who they're going to be able to move and who they're going to be able to keep, you need someone that can get the best out of a young roster. Mm-hmm. And Dan Campbell's that guy. I get it. He looks he's, – he's a human life former PC principal from South Park. Get oh, yeah. It. Big yeah. jacked guy. Former line who was in the 08 squad, by the way. Fun fact. Yeah. But he played one game and had some injuries. He was done. But, look, you want to reset switch? This is These are guys to lead it. All right? I'm so sick and tired of these people on Facebook and social media, these armchair Lions fans that just, yeah. like, are not pleased with anything. It's like, what the hell do you want? Right. You have a guy yeah. that's good at that this track record – even though the first round picks the past couple of years, I was able to keep the Rams and playoff contention and probably the most difficult division in the NFC by mm-hmm. far, in my opinion, next oh, yeah. to the NFC South. I mean, if San Fran was healthy, you have a four-team dogfight for first place. Oh, yeah. Yes. And yet the Rams were competitive, doing trades and moving around first, second. What's the last time they've had a first-round pick? It's been a couple of years, right? Yes. And they're still competitive. They made the playoffs two of the last two years. They were a few years away from room from a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay? Brad Holmes knows what he's doing in drafting. All right? I yes. get Dan Campbell being the head coach, but that's the guy that's going to pull the best out of you. Um, that's my whole spiel. Um, Offensive yeah. coordinator. Yes. What are you, what's your gut feeling? So, again, I referenced this uh, – this article from The Athletic, and there are a couple names on here I don't want any part of. Doug Peterson is one. I would rather not have to deal with that. You know, Daryl Bevel's interesting. Uh, apparently the team really likes him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to stamp Pat there. I wouldn't particularly like it. Um, but one name that sticks out to me is Jeff Nixon from Carolina who was the running backs coach for Campbell when he was in Miami. Um, I just think that could be a pretty interesting fit. You know, obviously you hear Carolina Panthers running backs, you hear Christian McCaffrey, and here's the guy that's been working with him. Um, You know, he's been around, I believe Joe Brady's the offensive coordinator in Carolina. So he's been around that, you know, high tempo offensive system. I think it would be an interesting move if they went out and got this guy. Um, to go out there and just see what you got, really. I mean, he's connected to Campbell. Uh, the offense in Carolina hasn't been horrible. Obviously, they they dealt with McCaffrey being out for a large chunk of time, but and Mike again, Davis filled that hole perfectly. Yeah, yeah. For a very so young roster, not? for that one all defense in the draft. Uh, personally, for me, um, if you want to stick around, I'd love to see Bevel come back. I think he could not only like I think his offense could work. I think you saw. Toward the end of the year, they actually want to play for him. 
Yes. But I think also he could be the perfect buffer to help for like a year or two, like help Dan Campbell get a grip on what the locker room is like. Because mm-hmm. obviously if you can get a coach that knows the roster, like, oh, perfect. Oh, he's still there. Oh, he wants to stay and work with number nine or potentially new quarterback, which I don't quite see yet. But, yeah, you know, I love to see Bevel stay. If not, that Nixon guy you're talking about, good fit, I think. Uh, but, hey, you know, I didn't see Brad Holmes coming. I, I think we saw the NKM will come a little bit. I didn't see the D corner coming. I mean, Mm-mm. the Lions aren't messing around. I feel like the Fords aren't messing around this time around. I think they're no. probably wanting to try at least to get out of the gutter they've been in for half a century. But Right. And I don't want – you know, there's been – I mean, I haven't heard it anywhere, but there's a grumbling in my head that says that Dan Campbell, he brings one guy from the Saints with him, he's going to bring another, and the offensive coordinator would end up being the uh, current quarterback's coach of the New Orleans Saints. Mitch, do you know who that is? Not that my head. Joe Lombardi. Yeah, no chance in hell that happens. No, We've seen not that at all. Before. Right, right. Ownership, ownership <laughs> of turning it down so fast would be funny. That would be awful. I mean, we saw before. Then we got. Then there was Jim Bob Cooter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so, so some of my favorite names in all football. Right. They're Fletcher Cox. But yeah. All right. So that was a Lions talk. Um, let's talk some puck. Talk some mm-hmm. hockey. Season started. So yes. I'm back. Can I just as a whole, what are your? I mean, we won't get the wings yet. But as a whole, what are your early impressions on the season? You know, I haven't done a ton of watching nationally. Uh, my one roommate is a Blackhawks fan, so I've gotten the chance to watch them play, and in turn, I've gotten the chance to watch Tampa Bay beat up on them. Uh, they're legit. The Lightning are legit. Uh, Carolina, I like Carolina too. Physical. They, I mean, that third period against the Wings in game one, they just kind of dog-walked them, man. Just Detroit couldn't get the ball out of their own zone, or the, I always say the ball. It's the puck, the puck, the puck. Couldn't get it out of their their own zone there for a minute. So um, that that division is going to be intense. We watched a little bit of the Islanders Bruins game uh, yesterday. Uh, another really good game. So as far as national spectrum, I haven't been exposed to a ton. Um, hopefully the teams stay healthy. I see Carolina got shut down today. That's unfortunate, but and they you know, shut it, down for a while too because they had yeah. so many cases. It was over, I think it's about at least nine cases came up with players alone. Right, right. So let's just hope everybody can stay healthy and um because it is it's an exciting time. And you know, the beginning of e- the the beginning of each season in every sport brings optimism in one way or another. And so um, you know, even as a Detroit Red Wings fan, you get to see exciting and a little bit of flashes. Um, I was emotionally invested in that game yesterday uh, with Columbus and how that ended because the ending was awesome. But uh, certainly some optimism there. I don't think they'll be super good, but at the end of the day, they they provide good, entertaining hockey to watch at least. And that's yeah. all you can ask for from a rebuilding squad. Yeah, before I get in my wingspan, we'll say right now, but the NHL, um, if you get a chance, watch the, watch the Canadian games. That division is a dogfight. Every team in that division, I feel, has a case to try and make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ottawa could be the exception because I think they're a year or two away still. But Toronto, Montreal's coming out of nowhere. Edmonton's still competitive, although I still don't like Koskinen in that. 
Winnipeg just brought up Logan Stanley for the first time, a six, seven monster defense when they've been lacking for a long time. Vancouver's still competitive. Calgary looks like these free agent positions might stick actually and actually be productive. Guys like Christian Tandem and Jacob Markstrom. That Canadian division, if I had to watch one division all year, that one, without a doubt. But the Wings, you know, um, that first Wings game, I was I was emotional watching. I teared up a little bit watching. I started yeah. laughing. Like, you know, for the first time in, you know, 10 months and stuff, it's like life feels kind of normal watching the Wings again for right. me. Like, my family and I have been invested with this team since, like, 1997. Like, ever since I was four years old, my dad's made sure I wore Steve Eisman T-shirts. My brother's wearing Ben and Shanahan T-shirts. Like, it was good to get back going. Uh, with this team, though, I know we talked about it off the record and stuff, but I felt that the Colting tandem of Jonathan Bernier and Thomas Christ be one of the more underrated tandems. You did say that. And so did far, you know what? I'm right. No, no, I, I agree with you. Absolutely. They've been good. Like, okay, the first game, like, two of them had goals, and Grace only gives up one. Bernie Spence, I don't think they get more than three goals this season, which with that defense, I think it's still questionable. At least that's a lot. I will say this, though. It seems like passing-wise, they look so <laughs> stupid better. Stupid yeah. better. Like, entry zone passes look better. Not turning puck over is not as much neutral zone. I get it where you have a small sample size. But right. out of the gate, and we're not playing for 10 months. Like, this looks a lot better. And all these guys are brand like, when they brought in Bobby Ryan for that one-year deal, I was ecstatic. Yeah, he's been good. He's a big been really good. guy. Second overall in 05. The only guy taken ahead of him was Crosby. Ever mm-hmm. heard of him? He's kind of decent with three Stanley Cups and probably first by Hall of Famer. So that addition, when you throw him, him with Bertuzzi, with Phillips Adina, who, by the way, his puck handling skills around that have been unreal so far this year, by the way. My roommate and I still getting debates about who should have gone at six, about Sedina or uh, Quinn Hughes. I still say Sedina, I think, so yeah. far. We're seeing that. But you throw him in the mix. You have Larkin. You have Mantha. You have Bertuzzi. That top six is honestly solid. It's not yes. great. It's not amazing by any means, but it's solid. Right, and they'll get there. They'll get Absolutely. there. The young guys, you know, you get them, let them play. I think that's the best thing about this. You know, whether it's a shortened season, you got maybe less games, but it's not as much of a toll on the guys. You're playing back-to-back, so you can go out one night, you can see it, take your lumps, wake up, and then go get the same guys the next day. So I kind of like the way the season's set up. I like what I've seen so far. Obviously, maybe not in the win column, but um, they did play the one really good game against Carolina. I thought they the way they rallied back in that one, I think that was the Zadina show there for a minute with some of the passes he was making to set up the game winner there. Um, again, that's a it's a watchable product. It's a you can see the potential when they get some more of their young guys back from playing overseas. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an exciting time to be a Wings fan. I really do. Yeah, you know, to start of the season in that division, I thought seventh is the best. It's them in Chicago for the basement. But you know, if somehow they can keep playing competitive games. You know, I can see them being six or five. I think playoffs are still the question this year. But right. if, they, if they snuck in somehow as the last seed, like, would I be surprised? Not really. Right. Um, but you know, if it had to happen, they gotta stay healthy. They, yes. Are getting better. Um, but one thing to note too, um, 
Spitting Chicklets put us on my Twitter page. I had to miss the interview entirely. But Fox Sports Detroit interviewed Bobby Ryan. They asked him why he chose Detroit. Two words. Steve Eiserman. Yeah. You know, I think we waited for the time for him to finally take over. To come April 19th in 2019 the way he did. Mm-hmm. And now him having his hands on everything. And obviously players wanting to play not just for Detroit. Not just for Blashall, although that could be suspect, I think, at times. But to play for a Steve Eiserman-ran organization. Yeah. Maybe one of the biggest trump cards of any team in the NHL. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the Pittsburgh. You have Crosby. You have Malkin, Latang, good core. You look at Washington. Oh, you have Ovechkin. You have John Carlson. You have Nicholas Backstrom. That's great, you know? You look at some other teams, too, like a team I could throw off the top of my head right now. Uh, Tampa. Wagon. Absolute wagon. Yeah. If they yeah. don't repeat, I'll be shocked uh, unless some weird injury happens. But if you look at the Wings right now and where they're at, it's a young up-and-coming team with management that wants to build a winner, that has a very young roster, and by the way, still has probably four of the top 60 picks in the draft next year, three second-rounders to monkey to play around with. Right. So it only goes uphill from here, I feel. Like, unless somehow something absolutely devastating happens to the organization, which um, I doubt will happen. But this is honestly a great sign. I think out of the gate, I get it. It's early. They've only played Columbus once and Carolina twice, but we're talking teams that made the playoffs now the past two years, but the young cores yes. they're starting to get their way up and they're hanging in with them at one, two goal games. They're being as competitive as possible. Like, yeah, I get it. You know, one loss is losing stuff. It's like, you know, when this team, like a year or two or three, gets the young kids in and, you know, this year the roster they have losing these close games, you know, when you get them back in environment next season or down the road, you know, a little more confidence, a little more moxie, a little more swagger. Like, this team, if they can get goaltending fixed for long term, because obviously Grice and Bernier are just for this year and next season and their mm-hmm. contracts are up. Like, you know, this team is going to be – it is going to be a pain in the ass to play against. Right. Probably the best way to put it. I mean, is the record going to show that there could be a playoff team? No. But they're going to be a pain in the ass to play against. Uh, I think Kevin Weeks gave uh, uh, the uh, – Paris have Tyler Bertuzzi to Brad Marchand, one of my favorite players in the league. Mm-hmm. An absolute pest. And also my big body guys too, like Mantha. Um, it's just it's gonna be an exciting time, I feel, to be a Wings fan. Obviously, this year's not gonna be a year we can really amazingly um brag home about. Right. But we're starting to see the foundation being laid, and maybe we're starting to see one notch of the pillar or two notches. Start to go up. Yep. So, yeah, real exciting times, I guess, if you're a Wings fan. It's just great to have hockey back in general. Um, but the question is, can they keep this up all season? The teams they have to play. Obviously, we haven't seen Dallas yet. They haven't seen Tampa yet. Um, it's be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, yeah. When you get halfway through the season, it gets really, you know, when you get halfway through that grind, as fast as the season will go, it's just going to be tough. But, yeah. No, uh, but yeah, I think that basically wraps up uh, this episode. Christian, anything else you want to talk about? Got your chest before we wrap this up. No, sir. I think we covered it all. I think we covered everything that's important. 
I am set sure on that. Oh yeah. Final answer. See. Um, uh, so yeah. So this was the first episode of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Uh, did you like what you heard? Did you enjoy listening to this? Share it with your friends and family. You know, obviously we're just two college kids who want to talk sports, but mm-hmm. this is kind of what we're gonna do for a living too. Like have yeah, our hopefully ha, have our opinions actually mean something as opposed to the little trolls on social media. Yep. So with that being said, uh, I'm Mitch Vosberg, Christian Boer. Sticking the ice.